Well, I didn't really know what to do with this request, so uh, I know your snooker would be nuts, so here we go. I might as well, rather than just talking, I might as well try and sing it. So, uh, snooker loopy nuts are we, me and him and them and me. We'll show you what we can do with a load of balls and a snooker cue. Pot the red then screw back for the yellow, green, brown, blue, pink and black. Snooker loopy nuts are we. We're all snooker, loopy, bum bum Hello and welcome to another episode of the Snooker Loopy podcast. My name is Tom Mayhew and I'm joined as always by the darling of Dublin, it's Joe Hannard. And good evening Tom, good evening everybody at home and Hazel. <laughs> you can't forget Hazel, she was sat at home can't just going, Hazel. what about me Joe, what about me? <laughs> <laughs> Yes, absolutely. No, how are you? I'm good, mate. I'm good. How are you doing? Yes, good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, enjoying the the smattering of snooker that we've had recently. We've had the Masters, the World Grand Prix, and then it's rolled straight into the German Masters. Uh, it's been busy, busy for snooker. Which I, I always say that I think that the proper season or proper snooker season starts at the UK Championship because I feel like that's when tournaments just roll around every week and they're not just any old tournament they tend to be big tournaments tournaments with history and it's just a bit of a shame really that they don't have many iconic tournaments before the uk championship you know the champion of champions is probably where the real season kicks off now um and that's that i think that's a bit of a shame they could possibly move something like the german masters to earlier in the season I think something like the shootout. I mean, I liked having the shootout over Christmas, but that could be earlier on. That's kind of a a bit more of an event that gets people talking. That could be earlier on. Um, yeah, yeah. But that used to be around this time as well, didn't it? So that's that. I'm I'm glad they've moved that tournament, and and hopefully they'll they'll continue to do that and and shuffle around the ca- calendar a little bit, just so that you. It's not tournament after tournament. That's. A must-watch, you know. Speaking of must-watch, though, did you watch much of the Masters? You know what? Well, it was probably, um, other than the World Championships, it's one of the tournaments that I've watched the most for a long time in terms of being engrossed in pretty much every match. Mm. Um, it was it was really, really high quality, and it started off, obviously, with Brussel and Lazowski. That was a great match. It was done in about an hour and 30 minutes, I think, yeah. and it was... Six two, yep. you know, the eight frames. It was it was pretty quick. I mean, we knew it would be, um, and yeah, I, I, just every match. But I think that's the advantage of the Masters is you're not going to get any, unless you're very unlucky with some of the seedings. You're not going to get any of the what I call Mickey Mouse matches, and you know, um, every match could be a semi final or final, and uh, I think that massively ramps up the quality of the the tournament and um you know obviously there was plenty of wasps there to watch you know everybody wanted a bit of the action of the masters did you see the the match where a, a fly landed on the snooker ball yes and then if, if you've not touching seen touching ball i think wasn't it it was definitely touching ball yeah it, you know it should have been um you know <laughs> four points to both players and <laughs> Yeah, I think the fly played a push shot. He did, I think he did. But if you've yeah. not seen it, look it up on YouTube because basically a fly lands on the ball and when you were watching <laughs> it live, it must have been on that ball for about two or three minutes and mm-hmm. it hadn't mm-hmm. moved. And so the tension yeah. was kind of building amongst people watching and then Mark Williams went to play that ball and he said before he uh, potted, he went, I'm going to get it. And he pots the red ball and the fly just bops off the ball and hits the, hits the ground. <laughs> It was a lovely little slapstick moment from the fly. I think it did a great job. Yeah, 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 yeah. But where does it rank among the inanimate... They're not inanimate, I suppose, are they? Um, They're sentient. Uh, What would you describe something that... I want a a class, the flies and the pigeons and all of that in the the same category. I'm not sure what you'd call it. Non-human spectators. We can call it Big Snooker Zoo, if you like. (laughs) <laughs> the snooker zoopy <laughs> okay so snooker zoopy let's let's rank them so what would we have we we'd have the pigeon we'd have mm-hmm. uh the fly that mark williams 
killed with mm-hmm. a ball. Um, you got wasps, numerous wasps. It's always, every the year there seems to be wasps. I think a few times Mark Williams has tried yeah. to kung fu kick them out the way. Yeah, um, he did try and swipe one with his uh, light, uh, lightsaber. Not his lightsaber, <laughs> his, uh, his Mate, uh, I, I cube ones. The, I love that frame where Mark Williams got out a lightsaber. <laughs> and <laughs> Yeah, just chopped the table in half. Yeah, all the balls went on the floor and, you know, it was a great match. Any other snooker animals that we've not remembered? Well, there was that time when the, you know, the donkey came in and... Uh, started uh, lying on the table or was that just in uh, in my imagination that is a very rude way of describing Stephen Lee mate <laughs> oh controversial Tom controversial <laughs> you know he could be back on the tour next season I am so looking forward to his ban being up because I have been so sick of literally every two months people going, do you think he'll be back on the tour when his band's yeah, up? Yeah, yeah. They've been saying yeah. it for about ten years and he's not going to get back on tour. I think he owes the World Snooker Federation something like £200,000 that he's not paid them. Well, he could go and win the World Championship next year and pay that off. Well, as an amateur? Well, he'll get back on on, on the tour through Q School and then... Uh... I think Stephen Hendry, Stephen Hendry, Stephen Lee could rock up at Q School and walk it. To be honest, I, I genuinely think that. Uh, let's keep in mind how well Stephen Hendry has played after a big long gap. Are you sure? Stephen yes, Lee but we all Q know School? that Stephen Lee was the better Stephen. <laughs> he always has been. I'm glad we've got uh, we've gone from Snooker Zoo to. Top trumps of Snooker Stevens here. <laughs> yep, yeah, and Matthew's not even in the top five. <laughs> but where would you where would you rank those those Snooker Zoo creatures then? Well, I, mean, I don't know what kind of zoo has a bee and a fly in it. But clearly, it's it's low budget. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's got to have been a bat in uh, in the Snooker at some point, hasn't there? Uh, Ray Ridden, he's Dracula. Yes, yes. I, I, I mean, the pigeon is iconic. You know, yeah. the fact that the pigeon flapped on Yan Bing Tao. I think <laughs> that that's hilarious. I mean, maybe that pigeon was actually carrying some messages from from uh, the mafia for for Yan Bing Tao to to go and throw the next frame. I think the pigeon's up there, but I think the fly, <laughs> the fly, is the only time I've seen an animal actually, or a creature, I should say take part in the snooker frame it actually was on yeah, the ball yeah. it was part of a shot well he's, like, a, he's, he's, he's the first fly to play at the Masters oh my god you know? I mean, that has to make like the likes of um, like someone like Dominic Dale who I don't think he's ever played at the Masters and he's like this bloody fly he's got to play there and I haven't yeah 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 unbelievable unbelievable Are there any other snooker animal nicknames? Because there is Dracula, obviously, which could be a bat. Uh, Is there anything else? Mm. Like, was um? It's a good question. Was like Billy Snadden called like, oh, it's the Mystic Fox or something? I don't know. Yeah, I know. um, I know Stephen Lee's been called a snake in his time. So, uh, (laughs) yeah. Uh, Obviously, Ding is the dragon. Yeah, I suppose Enter the, the dragon, dragon is a is an animal. I feel like one of them's called a tiger. I don't, I can't work out who it is, but I feel like somebody's. Oh, I think called um, a tiger. I can't remember tiger, but isn't Zhang Anda called Mighty Mouse? Mighty Mouse, yeah, yeah, yeah. Who else? I think Sanderson Lamb is called Panda. What would be your animal nickname if you had to have one for a snooker match? Ooh. So Rob Walker's about to bring you out at the Masters. The silverback. <laughs> there we go. Listeners won't know that Joe's got a very hairy back and it's uh, gone grey, so that's why he's called the silverback. There you go. There you go. I mean, they call Philip Schofield the silver fox, so, you know. <laughs> I'm not sure if you want to associate with him right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I was just saying it's a natural progression, isn't it, of, uh, of animals. You go from fox to... to Silverback. Philip Schofield, a man who has been dancing on thin ice for quite a few years. Well, absolutely, yeah. And now he's no longer dancing on ice. No, he's fallen through. (laughs) He's gone through it. 
and produced Stephen Mulhern. <laughs> All right, that's the worst thing Schofield's ever done, is produced Stephen Mulhern. <laughs> Controversial opinions from Tom tonight. My snooker animal, I think... I mean, what animal would, would fit a snooker table and a snooker match? I'm thinking maybe like a hedgehog, because they can roll up into a ball. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or what about like a seal? Because a seal sort of can perform. Yeah. With uh, with balls. <laughs> I guess a snake could be a cue. <laughs> oh God! Can you imagine a snake wriggling on the table? That would be awful. <laughs> be a lot of fouls in that match, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, foul. You just have someone like um. John Higgins trying to use a snake and going, ooh, it keeps wobbling. <laughs> yeah, it just bites a cue ball. <laughs> I think I would be um, the the shiny hedgehog. The shiny hedgehog. Yeah. There you go. You heard it here first, everybody, when Tom enters Q school and qualifies for the tour next year. The shiny hedgehog. <laughs> it's that or the shiny sausage, mate. Like whichever one well, comes out of my mouth first, or the spiky sausage, because you know hedgehogs are spiky. They are very true, very true. Let us know if anyone listening at home has your own favourite snooker animal or any other snooker animal nicknames. Please do let us. Yeah, know. Or, or, or any animals that we've missed. Yeah, we must have missed some. There must have been, mm. as you say. Yeah. Uh, I'd almost forgotten the donkey incident until Joe brought it up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And is that the key to playing well here at the Crucible? You have conquered the mountain three times. Do you have to try and remind yourself to enjoy the occasion and not be frightened of it? Uh, yeah, certainly. If I can guarantee you I won't be frightened of it. I'll be going for some pots. If they go in, I look a million dollars. If they don't go in, I look like an absolute donkey for going for them but that's just I'm happy with that. But let's go back to the Masters Joe. We've got on the tangent which is what we do but the mm. Masters you know fantastic tournament as you said multiple one four mm. sevens. Yes which which was bizarre that doesn't happen all the time does it so. Mark Williams did not play as well as we predicted or I mean he did play no. well I just think he it's the Masters anyone could be anyone can't they I suppose. Yeah and I think um we couldn't have foreseen that to, to happen to Mark Williams and, you know, just, just the way it goes. But it does show if you back against Ronnie, he wins the tournament. So I was thinking about this, Joe, because in a sense, because we're both big Ronnie fans, it means you play like a genius tactic by backing against him. Because then if he wins, you're happy because he's won. Mm-hmm. If you went against him and he loses, mm-hmm. you still might win the prediction contest. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But as it stands, you have lost both of the Triple Crown prediction contests so far this season. Well, yes, I'm assuming you're going to tell me how badly I lost, but um, I got 406th position with 11 points. I got 221st with 18. Oh, nice. To be fair, I think I've only won because Ronnie won. Yeah, Ronnie winning got eight points. If Ronnie didn't win, I would have got ten. So really, literally, Ronnie has given me that. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, it's a it's a good result for you there. So you've won two out of the three, but we all know that the World Championship is where it's at. So, yeah, no. But uh, no, I mean, Ronnie Ronnie's on a 15-game winning streak or something um, at, at the time yeah. of recording, so... Um, he's doing very well at the moment, and uh, you know I don't think he's actually played that well. But uh, I have some uh, some interesting news about predictions. Um, so the World Grand Prix final, um, Ronnie was four nil down. Yeah, and at that point, um, you know you, you'll know Toby, um, one of our other sort of snookery people that that we've uh, spoke to in the past. Uh, Toby messaged me and went, "Ah, oh, it's four nil, Judd," and I went. I guarantee now Ronnie's going to win 10-7. So I thought, you know what, if I'm saying this, I'm going to have a look on Skybet and see uh, see what the odds are. 25-1 to 1 or something like that. So you thought, you know what, I'm just going to put a bet on. So I, I went, I'm, I'm going to put a tenner on this. I never, ever bet this much. And uh, what happened? Ronnie went and won 10-7. So there you go. 
Wow. I mean, that's incredible. Yeah. Don't really know how I knew it, but uh, Judd's bottle is uh, becoming a bit of a questionable thing. I'm sure we'll talk about it because we love to talk about the um, the downfall of Judd Trump sometimes. Um, I think Judd's got brilliant bottle if it's against a player he expects to beat. Mm-hmm. If it's against someone on the same yeah. level or... You know, like a Ronnie, like a Higgins, yeah, yeah. like I think that's when the uh, the mistakes come in, and that's when he doesn't look as um, as confident. Because again, same as you, yeah, like, yeah. Any other opponent? Well, I mean, I'd say any opponent outside the top ten, Judd's four 0 up, he probably wins that. You know, ten five or something like that. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I don't know. I think it's good for the sport. I think the sport's in a really good position um, in terms of people are watching it and people are enjoying it. I mean, certainly when I go and play a snooker, the, the club's packed um, of people playing it. And, and that's that's got to be a good thing. That's because they've heard you're there, mate. That's why. Exactly. Hopefully, um, hopefully WST continue to, to try new things and capitalise on it a little bit and, and and not get into this hall of, oh, we don't want you playing in these events and this, that and the other, and then come out with a, a Saudi-backed tournament, which I'm assuming you were going to... Um you were going to interject with there, Tom, and the, yep. the golden ball. <laughs> yeah, the golden ball. Yeah. How would you feel about the idea of the golden ball, Joe? For those who don't know, the oh. idea is the Saudi <laughs> tournament... If you make a one four seven, they bring out a mystical golden ball, which you don't have to pop to get yeah. a, a one six seven. Is that right? One six seven, yeah. So I, I mean, what I'm looking forward to is seeing John Higgins and Judd Trump come together and talk to each other of why they're going to split off steel. <laughs> That's what I'm looking forward to. Are you saying that Jasper Carrot is going to be the MC? I mean, for a second, I thought you were going to say that John and Judd, when one of them's on the one four seven, and everyone's looking at the golden ball, they would just make a protest. They would take the golden ball off the table. They'd have a big kiss, and they'd hold up a rainbow flag, and go, "Wow, up your Saudis." Well, you know, you know, I'm not sure Judd and John would have been top of my list of players that I think could do that, but um... who would be? <laughs> I'm not sure I want to say really. I think Bingham would be up for it. Let's be honest. Um, what with anyone? Yeah, yeah, Bingham's up for anything. Wow, you know, I mean, you, you don't want to get that reputation, but fair enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and Dominic Dale probably our two uh, our two podcast faithfuls. I think you've confused players who'd be up for it. With some sort of dream fantasy you've got going on, Joe. <laughs> well, all I'll say is that Bingham owns a hot tub company now, so. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, what do you think of the Golden Ball? Is it just like a pointless novelty? Like, is it just a little, uh, little rubbish? You know or? what? I, I I think it's fine for one tournament a year. I don't have a issue with it at all. Um, I think that I, what I don't like is the confusion around it. I don't think anybody quite knows how it's going to work. I'd like somebody to just come out, diagram of what's going to happen, maybe even a little video and just say, look, this is what's going to happen. At the end of the frame, the golden ball will be placed here or maybe it's there for the whole frame. I don't know. I've seen lots of different theories. Um, I, I subscribe to the theory that It'll get put somewhere on the table, probably the black spot after the black has been potted on a one four seven. That's what I'm assuming will happen. I'm intrigued also to know what would happen if they were on a one five five. Um, nobody Ooh. seems to have talked about this. How, mm. What if they make a one five five or a one five four or something? Will they then put the the ball on the table? Because I think it's all to get the highest break in history. I think that's the whole idea, is that that's what, that's what they want to happen. But, but surely, because all these people seem to be forgetting that Joe Davis invented Snooker Plus many years mm. ago, where mm. the highest possible break was 210. Yes. And so I imagine someone must have got maybe a 160 or something on that. 
or 170 yeah, yeah. or I don't actually know, yeah. but I imagine someone might have already got a higher break than yeah, one, yeah. 167. Yeah. yeah. Snooker Plus is, is good. If you've not come across Snooker Plus before, get one of the old Snooker games um, on the PS2, go and play Snooker Plus. It's it's a totally different challenge. I think that, that you've got the purple ball, which is worth 10, I think, um, and that goes in between the blue and the brown, and the orange ball goes in between the blue and the pink, and that's worth 8. So it completely changes how you break build. Um, and that's why I, I, I quite like variants like that. I wish we had a Snooker Plus tournament. That would be awesome, you know. Instead of doing the, the, the WST Classic or whatever, and bring out the Snooker Plus Invitational, you know. They do a six red tournament, so why why not do a Snooker Plus tournament or a Power Snooker? That was a thing years ago. And look how well that did. Well, exactly. I mean, it was on ITV for a couple of years, so... Yeah. I think had had that come around three or four years later, I think it would be a staple on the calendar because ITV are now big broadcasters of snooker. You know, arguably they do more snooker than the BBC. So it's um, yeah, yeah. But you know, it'll be interesting to see. Obviously, there's all the controversy about anything to do with Saudi Arabia at the moment. I, I always find it a little bit hypocritical because we don't complain about other countries so much. Sean Murphy very rightly pointed out that the human rights record of the UK over history isn't great. And I thought, well, fa- fair Also enough. China. Do you know what I mean? China is is the, the biggest country that spot gets behind snooker. And I don't think their human rights record is squeaky clean. So nobody thinks about the China Open or the International Championship, doesn't nobody talks about that. The Wuhan Open, I mean, come on. The birthplace of COVID-19 itself. <laughs> yeah, if you want to talk about sports washing, then having the Wuhan <laughs> Open is probably it. Like... <laughs> yeah, sponsored by bloody AstraZeneca. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I mean, we've seen the, the presentation party was Sir Patrick Valance and Chris Whitty. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and Jasper Carrot's going to be the presentation party of the Saudi Arabian Masters. I hope so, mate. I really hope he at least makes the effort to turn up. Well, I mean, I haven't seen anything of Jasper Carrot for a good 10, 15 years, so I'm intrigued. <laughs> Maybe he's moved over there. <laughs> Possibly, yeah. He's been waiting for his chance to get his golden balls out again. Yeah. Snatched at it. It's my big comeback <laughs> moment. Here we go. But how cool would it be if the golden balls were actually like golden balls and it was, you know, you had killer balls which would just uh, uh, end up r- losing the frame. You had £50,000. You had seventy-five, So you could win £75,000 if you pot it, but you've got to take the risk and maybe Judd Trump can have a little sneaky look at the, the, the golden ball and then he'll say, yes, that's £75,000. You know? I thought you were going to say the killer ball was if you potted that one, they just took you away and you were never seen again. Well, well yes. I don't want to be too controversial about Saudi Arabia. That sounded almost a little bit too close to what the reality might be. So um, let's not go there. <laughs> Truth, lies, honesty, deception. Just how far would you go to be a winner on Golden Balls? Four players are going to talk their way to the big money. But before the game begins, allow me to introduce you to someone rather special. Well, my name's Graham Dort and I've won the World Championship here. Shall we jump into a, a new feature, Joe? Ooh, a new feature. Well, I thought we already have cue the music where we talk about music. And I thought we should probably have a feature where we talk about you know, films, TV programs, mm. uh, shorts, like visual things related to snooker. And this feature, yeah. I thought we could call Lights, Camera, Jackson Page. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're giving some free promotion to Jackson Page for no reason whatsoever. I thought it was going to be Cue the Reel or something like that, or... 
think we need to get away from having everything be Q the something, because otherwise... Yeah, but what's going to happen when we come up with a future about Qs? Why can't we have Q the Q? I just worry people will think we're sponsored by Mr Q Bingo. <laughs> yeah, we need to disconnect ourselves from that. Q the Bingo. No, it's a good point. Go on then. Q the Bingo. Bingo card at the ready, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> We've got our first quote. Good evening, Hazel. If you had good evening, Hazel, you can cross that off your bingo card. When there is a Snooker Loopy podcast bingo card, that's where we know we've made it. When there's people who tick oh, off yeah. good evening, Hazel, yeah. they cook, they tick off sausages. <laughs> yes. They yeah, tick off and, Joe's and Dennis Taylor impression. Bingham's hot tubs. <laughs> Dominic Dale. <laughs> yeah. There you go. There you go. Cue the cue. Well, I thought, Joe, the first, you know, film or TV production or visual content, the first thing we could look at for lights, mm. camera, Jackson Page would mm. be the Ronnie O'Sullivan documentary, which was released in November. Is that when it was released? Yeah, so uh, it was just before the UK Championship, wasn't it? So Ronnie O'Sullivan, The Edge of Everything, it was released on Amazon Prime. And a lot of sort of hype around it. They mentioned it during the UK Championship coverage. I think it was even shown in a small number of cinemas, which is incredible mm, for a mm. snooker film. Mm. A two-hour documentary about Ronnie O'Sullivan, probably the first kind of major documentary about a snooker player, certainly in like the Netflix age of there being these big sporting documentaries. Well, I, I actually looked into going to the cinema, but I, I was horrified that it was £18 to go to the, the cinema to watch it. It was um, it was about the same, if not more, as a AAA film, um, which was just bizarre. And, and we, we thought, nah, we're not going to spend that when actually it's going to come on Amazon Prime in a couple of days anyway. So we, we watched it. Um, I thought it was... Very, very good, actually. I thought it was having, you know, as somebody that knows a lot about Ronnie and have read some of his autobiographies, I have to say some of because he's got three. Um, but, you know, I know a lot about Ronnie and I know a lot about his life, but I actually learned quite a bit from the um, documentary. So I, I thought it was really good. I thought it gave a good insight into the world of snooker. Um, I don't think too much of it was played for the camera. Um, knowing Ronnie the way that we do, I think a lot of it was very natural and he is a very interesting character, to say the least. Um, and, yeah, the only thing I would say is that it was a shame. We, You know, we knew it was coming since 2022 when he won the World Championship. We knew that there was going to be a... I think he was calling it a Netflix documentary back then, but mm. then it was on Amazon Prime, which was a bit bizarre. Um, so it was a shame that it took sort of 18 months for it to come out and felt a little out of date in in that sense. Because it doesn't just focus on the World Championship, does it? It sort of starts around the, the Scottish Open. That was in Clan Dudno that year um, in Wales. It, it sort of starts around then. So you get to see the big journey up towards it, don't you? The first opponent you see is Dominic Dale. Oh, right, yeah. Oh, there you go. Dominic Dale pops yes. up there. And there's also one bit I especially liked was there's a bit where they're talking about sort of the like, the history of snooker and how big it was in the 80s. And there's a clip of a woman who's actually holding up the snooker bedding set. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't notice that. I did not notice that. It's very, very brief, her holding up this snooker duvet. And I was like, we're ahead of the time, mate. We covered this months ago. <laughs> yeah, little do they know that we own a bed pillowcase each with but... Neil Fold's balls on it. <laughs> oh, God. What a lovely, lovely sentence. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, I thought the documentary was great. I thought it was really, really good. Mm. I really enjoyed mm. it. I felt like, I agree, it was very, um, it wasn't him kind of showing off the camera. He was just kind of being himself no. while the cameras were there, which was nice to see. It was very interesting, all the stuff about his growing up and stuff I think he's probably not wanting to speak about or not wanting to share. And it was really, really interesting to see the actual, like, you know, the reason he is like he is, to be honest, because I think a lot of people do mm -hmm. kind of shrug off Ronnie and say, oh, he's a bit 
you know, either either he's a bit arrogant or he's a bit standoffish or whatever. And I'm like, well, if you watch the documentary, you go, oh, no, I kind of get it now. It kind of makes yeah. you realise why yeah. he is like he is. Absolutely, yeah. Um, no, I, th- I thought it was it was just really... And there were some absolute moments where you think, this guy is completely and utterly insane. You know, <laughs> but that's the beauty of Ronnie, isn't it? You know, I don't. There's nobody like him, and um, you know, I don't think he could harm anybody. You know, he's not anybody, not any harm. You know, but he does have some pretty crazy outlooks on things, and you, you know, but he was talking about a particular tea that he'd drunk or something like that, the Chinese tea, and you know, he's oh, lovely, jubbly, and it's just really weird sometimes seeing Ronnie in that aspect. Um, but you know, hearing it, it, a lot of the stuff around his dad going to prison and um, the effect that had on him, and I think how much that still affects him, I think is very interesting. Which of course it would, you know, um, and none of us can really imagine it unless we go through it ourselves. And um, it certainly gave me another appreciation for Ronnie and. You know, we always say take what he says with a pinch of salt, and I think it, it couldn't be more true when you you watch the documentary and you think actually, you know, it does matter what Ronnie wakes up and what Ronnie's thinking about, and you know when he's having a microphone shoved in his face for the ten thousandth time and asked the same questions and. It's not really a surprise that he bites and mm. says a load of nonsense, you know. It's it's sort of disguised in insecurities, I suppose. But uh, I'd, I'd highly recommend it. I, you know, I think you don't have to be a snooker fan to watch it. I think you have to be a snooker fan to appreciate it. Um, but... You know, any sort of level of interest in snooker, I think you'll get a lot out of it. And um, I mean, I assume the only people that listen to our podcast are hardcore snooker fans, Tom, because I don't know why else you'd listen to us. But um, so, you know, maybe we're talking to the wrong people here. They've probably already watched it. But if you haven't and if it's been sat in your watch later, or if you're not a particularly big Ronnie fan, I I don't think you need to be. I think it's a very, very... Interesting watch. It's a must-watch for for anyone with an interest in snooker. For me, I'd agree. I'd say it's like any sort of real in-depth documentary around like a massive sports person, whether it's about Michael Jordan or David Beckham or whoever. Like, if done well, then I'd kind of recommend them to everyone because it is mm. just kind of like the ordinary story of an extraordinary person. And I think that's what yeah. this documentary does really well. It really does. Yeah, yeah. Take yeah. you on his journey, it introduces you to things mm. you wouldn't have known about him. It has a lot yeah. of the sort of more genuine emotional side to Ronnie, which he doesn't really ever show elsewhere. Um, there's a real sort of tinge of sadness to, to the documentary, I'd say, because it feels mm. like, as you say, he's. I think at one point he says he'd give up snooker if it meant his dad was out of prison. Do you know what I mean? And you just. Yeah. It kind of breaks your heart a bit because you're like, damn, of course yeah. you would. Like, and you can see. Well, I guess that's why sometimes it seems like titles don't matter to you because it's not what you truly want. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think there's a real kind of raw energy to it that I think mm. I would agree. I'd, I'd recommend it to everyone as well. Mm. Yeah. Do we give it a rating? Do, do we give it a rating for Oof. this section? What do you think? Um, I mean, for me, it was a ten out of ten. I, I, I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't suggest anything more other than it releasing quicker i think um what what is a shame about it is that in 10 years or whatever it it won't be as relevant that's possibly my only criticism maybe knocks it down to a nine but hopefully it'll spark new things to do with snooker and and i don't think you know you could just do a docuseries on john higgins for instance you, you know i don't think he could do that but possibly um you know a little bit like what the bbc did um with the i think it was called the rack pack um mm. or gods of snooker you know that that was uh something that, i mean i'm giving away all of our future episodes here i'd give it 10 out of 10 as well i think and i agree it is a shame that some of it is out of date but what i think it is is that it's it's part kind of 
you know, talking about the rise of Ronnie O'Sullivan and his background and his journey so far. But then, as like a capturing a real moment of snooker history, I think it's incredible, really, because you know, you it's not just a any other season where he you know, does all right. It's him equaling Stephen Hendry's record. And I think having that as part of the documentary is, yeah, is something that really makes it very worthwhile and very valid. And, um, mm. cause I, cause as you say, I was, I was thinking, Oh, it's not going to be out of date. And then you start going, well, hopefully they'll do a big documentary when he retires. But then I'm like, no, but you do want the documentary when he's at the top as well. Yeah. yeah. So it's really yeah. nice to have this and to see, you know the, the genius at work while he's mm. still number one, and it's mm. I think it's great for that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There's not many, there's not many docu series or you know documentaries that are about current people. Um, you know, it's usually about people that have sadly died or um, retired, long retired, or about team sports, uh, not necessarily at their peak. You know, I know they did one about Arsenal. They did one about Tottenham. Um, you know, there's not really any that are with a team right at the you know peak of like Sir Alex Ferguson's Man United. They did do one about Sunderland in the season where they got relegated <laughs> from the Championship. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. So you know, their their consecutive relegations. I can't remember <laughs> what that was called now. Um, Sunderland till we die or something like that. Sunderland till I die. That's the one. Yeah. I bet Joe never thought he was yeah. going to say that out loud. <laughs> oh, it's a horrible place, Sunderland. But yeah. <laughs> um, anyway. Um, yeah. No, but but go and check it out if you've uh, if you've not seen it. And you know, there's plenty out there on on sports. And I think they're doing a really good job at the moment of giving us an insight into what it's like being a sportsman. So yeah. Very good, very good, Tom. Don't start. The edge of risk, it's the edge of danger, of fear, of doubt, of surety, of confidence. Yeah, there's no stopping it, basically. Shall we cue the laughter to, to lift the spirits a bit after... Uh, you know, I'm not saying it was a melancholy segment about Ronnie, but, you know, there was some... Some more serious topics in there. Well, I, I guess I think our segment matched the, the general feel of the documentary. To be honest, yeah, 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 absolutely. So yeah, let's uh, let's get back to the silliness of the podcast. Okay, with cue the laughter, um, and this is something I've I've seen it before, but it's come back in th- through my YouTube recommended. Um, just sort of the YouTube rabbit hole, and I don't know. Have you ever seen? or heard of a TV show called Steve Davis and Friends. No, but it sounds... I mean, <laughs> what? Is it, is, it sounds like a children's show with Steve Davis in it. <laughs> so, so, just to give you a bit of background on this, this is a show um, circa 2000, um, and Steve Davis presents it, and he is essentially an interviewer and invites people from not only the snooker world but elsewhere um, onto this, and he interviews them for about 45 minutes. Yeah, right. Okay, Steve Davis and friends. Like he's Parkinson or something. Pretty much, right? I'm going to send you this link now. Watch the intro, and you have to play this through on the on the podcast, Tom, so people at home can experience what you're about to experience here. And you'll now see why I have been completely intrigued by this. With me today is the 1979 Coral UK champion and a star of stage and screen, um, known to millions as uh, the straight man of Big Break, Mr John Virgo. Welcome, John. Where's the applause? That would be a right. well, <laughs> we, big intro, that. Yeah. It'll be taped and put on later. Oh, thanks, yes. thanks. But... <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> what? 
There you go, Tom. Now, were you expecting that? Was I expecting Steve Davis doing some sort of James Bond knockoff? No, I was not. I, I mean, what? So I, I've tried to research this sh- this show in preparation for this. Basically, I, you know, as soon as I see, it, I was like, "That's cue the laughter." I've got to got to show Tom this. <laughs> Well, I was expecting because it, it does the whole James Bond thing with uh, like looking through the looking through sort of the gun. The and... gun barrel is what the, the the gun sequence, yeah. But it's like the most indifferent James Bond I've ever seen. He doesn't sort of turn around and pot. I thought he was going to turn around and pot a cue ball instead of shooting. He just sort <laughs> of looks at it really like you right, and that's it. It's it's not James Bond going. Pow, pow. It's Steve Davis going. Yeah, right. Okay. But but has anybody ever thought of Steve Davis as a James Bond-like character? I mean, you, you know, it's a bit odd. It's a bit odd. Like, there's silhouettes of what are presumably supposed to be seductive Bond girls. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Again. I mean, was... it's possibly the same ones from the Romford rap. But, uh, I, I you think know. it might be. I think I recognise those. <laughs> I recognise those bottoms, Joe. That's what I will say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a bit of bottom on that cue ball there. <laughs> but why? Why? Yeah, so you were looking this up. What did you find? So it, there's very little information about it, unfortunately. Um, there's about six episodes on YouTube, I think. Um, but I have read that there were about 52 episodes of this thing made, right? And it ranges from, I mean, on the IMBD, um, we've got Steve Davis. Dickie Davis uh, had a, um, a, um, a a chat. Dennis Taylor, John Virgo, Tony Knowles, uh, Willie Thorne, Phil Taylor, David Vine, Ray Reardon. So it ranges from that to John Paris, the cue maker, you know, 25 years ago. Probably not as famous back then. Um uh, there was a BBC cameraman on this show. <laughs> there was all sorts, uh, but unfortunately, I don't. I don't know what channel it was on. I don't know any more than that. I, I, all I can guess is that on some on some of the the episodes, it's got a little banner saying Sky Sports Three. So yeah. I think it was Sky that made them. Um, but I have watched a couple, and they're, they're actually not. Not bad, they're pretty good. It's just weird. It's weird at the start having Steve Davis do the whole Bond charade because nobody has ever thought of Steve Davis as Bond. Like It's just the most bizarre thing. And then you know, at the end of it, it's got this bombastic theme tune of that gets you ready for an action show. And then Steve Davis goes, Joining me today is the 1979 Coral UK champion, John Virgo. Welcome, John. You're known as the straight man of Big Break. And then that was that. That was that, and they were off and running. But what's so interesting, I've watched a bit of the Dennis Taylor one, and I've watched the John Virgo one in full, and they're so scathing of the the current players being like, they're not selling the game, they're not going out doing exhibitions, this, that, and the other. And I I find that so interesting, that that was in 2000, Mm. you know, that long ago. If Steve Davis did make... A James Bond film, presumably <laughs> linking it to Saudi Arabia, it would be called Golden Ball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'd be about him having to go to Saudi Arabia, <laughs> get the one four seven, put the Golden Ball, and it would defeat the evil government. Yeah, but uh, no, that that little golden nugget, I suppose, that I found. <laughs> golden um, nugget. Just, there we go. Just in the. Uh, yes. There we go. <laughs> just in the uh, the rabbit hole of YouTube, I suppose. But uh, yeah, it's something that came up on my radar in the past. I think. Um, but yeah, it's now firmly in my YouTube recommended, and it, it it's a it's a good watch. Um, you know it, but. Uh, just completely bizarre that intro it really is bizarre i'd love to know the story behind that the the creative decision to film steve davis raising his eyebrow roger moore style and um it's just really really bonkers and it was 2000 it's not even the 80s you know it's not when Stuka's in its pomp that's what's the weird thing about this well listeners might not know this but Joe is a, a very big Bond fan yeah, he's one of Joe's big passions yeah. he really loves James Bond do you think Steve Davis would make a good Bond? <laughs> um, 
you know what? I think it's worth giving him giving him a go at the role. <laughs> but um, do I think he'd be threatening in the role? No, I think he'd be very much of the Roger Moore ilk. Can you imagine? Everyone is expecting like Idris Elba or something, and they go, "Here's the new Bond," and it's just Steve Davis <laughs> with his glasses on. <laughs> yeah. And his ginger wig that he wore for the 2010 rematch against Dennis Taylor. Maybe Steve Davis had heard that um, Piers Brosnan was stepping down, and he was like, "I've got to, <laughs> I've got to throw my cue into the hat mm? here. I've got to go for this." Have they got a titles? The episode like are they called like the rest is not enough or anything like that? <laughs> no, but that would be that would be fantastic. Did you think there would be a Bond snooker reference that didn't involve Nigel? Genuinely, no. I. I it's kind of blown my mind a bit that someone has made that. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the music is so similar. It's obviously not quite, but they are teetering on the edge of copyright. So close. It's so bizarre. But uh, speaking of Nigel Bond, actually, I, you know, I've been playing in the snooker league at um, at Hazel Grove Snooker, and one of the uh, one of the bar guys he was talking to me. He was like, "Oh, uh, do you know Nigel Bond?" and uh, Gone well, not personally, no. <laughs> and uh, he said, "Oh well, you know, a few of us are um, uh, uh, going over to to see him and get some coaching from him." So um, that's I think that's happening next Friday or this Friday. It'll be now, but uh, yeah, there, there's a whole load of people from the snooker club getting on a mini bus and heading over to get some coaching with Nigel Bond. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty pretty crazy, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> what are you laughing at? <laughs> Most people, they get on a coach, they go to Blackpool, they go on a holiday, they go for like a lad's night out or something. Just this whole coach full of of, of blokes going, oh yeah, we're going to go see Nigel Bond. <laughs> yeah, it's not quite to Hull and back, is it? To be fair. <laughs> to Bond and back, that's what it is. To Bond and back, yeah. I've got an image of like some of them have got like Nigel Bond t-shirts on and some of them have got a poster they want him to sign. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And they're going, oh, do you think he'll bring his cue? Do you think he'll bring his cue? Oh, can we touch it? Can we touch it? It's like so Can exciting. we touch his cue? Yeah. It's so exciting. Do you reckon he'll have his golden ball on the table? <laughs> I do. Oh, I really hope as well when he turns up, they sort of they walk into this sort of dimly lit snooker room, and there's just a spotlight in the middle, and they walk, and then there's silence, and then he just turns around in the spotlight and goes, "The name is Bond, Nigel Bond," <laughs> and then Steve Davis comes out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I wonder if he ever had Nigel Bond on the show. Surely he did. It would feel like a mistake not to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, do you reckon <laughs> they they commissioned the show with Nigel Bond at first, and then they <laughs> yeah. they replaced it with Steve Davis, and Nigel was gutted because he was like, "That's my my music. That's me." <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I think you'll find I've got the license to thrill. <laughs> yeah, and thrill. Well, he there, does. there you go. There you go. As I say, golden nugget of information for you there. Well, ladies and gentlemen, would you please welcome the former British Open champion, world championship finalist, and the winner of the Sky Sports Snooker Shootout. Ladies and gentlemen, there really only is one bomb. Nigel Bond! you got a lot to uh, follow now, Tom, with Cue the Music. I think I can. I think I can follow it, Joe, because I'm, I'm pretty happy with cue the music for this episode. Mm. Well, is it going to be Joe Johnson's everlasting love? That's what I. That's what I want to know. Joe Johnson's everlasting love is definitely going on the Snooker Loopy Bingo card. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, Tom, I know this is another tangent, but I have listened to Joe Johnson's everlasting love. For pleasure over the uh, <laughs> over the last few weeks. Don't use genuinely. The... It's been in my rotation of things I've been listening to. Genuinely. Don't use the phrase for pleasure, mate. About it. <laughs> <laughs> Especially where we've just been talking about Neil Folds's bed and set. You know. Do you reckon anyone has ever made love <laughs> while Joe Johnson has been singing? 
apart from Joe Johnson oh himself. God. I mean, I mean, the temptation to to say something here, but no, I can't possibly incriminate <gasps> myself like that on camera. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think your silence says it all, Joe. <laughs> Thanks, Tom. Thanks. It was it was it was the thought of. You know that that was taking our comedy snooker podcast a little too far. I think <laughs> <laughs> that that would have been the boundary well and truly crossed. <laughs> but no, is my answer. I don't think anybody will have because there's about fifteen hundred people in existence that have heard it, I, and I also hope not. Okay, well, Joe will be gutted when he hears this because clearly, when he released it, he thought, "I want this to be the soundtrack to love making for decades, to everlasting love making." <laughs> yeah. Well, this tune music is kind of related to Joe Johnson's <sighs> everlasting love because you'll remember, Joe. Last episode, we talked about the um, Snooker Nine Hundred Legends thing on Channel Five over Christmas. Yes. And they brought out the match. It was Ken against Joe. Mm. And they played Everlasting Love for Joe. But they said about Ken, it was something about him being the best singer on tour or or something like that. Which is pretty harsh on Dominic Dale. Well, it is harsh. And also, I don't know if it's true. So I thought, (laughs) Joe, how can we test it? How could we find out? What possible way is there of getting a recording of Ken singing a song? Oh, no. Is it really? I'll pop you the link here, Could it be? I'll pop you the link. Could it be? Oh, no, Tom. (laughs) Wow. Let's have a look, then. Oh, my God. If he is singing Everlasting Love here, that'll uh, (laughs) that'll tap it all off. I should have done that. Oh, God, I'm going to have to pay him another 30 bloody right. quid. <laughs> oh, it's only 30 quid. Well, you can pay it then, with your bloody winnings from your betting on the Masters or whatever. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Right, go on then. Let's give it a listen. Snooker, loopy, not a wee. Me and him and them and me. We'll show you what we can do with a load of balls of the snooker cue. Pot the red and screw back for the yellow, green, brown, blue, pink and black. Snooker, loopy, not a wee. We're all snooker, loopy. Cheers, boys. Uh, right. Um. I, I mean, I, I've never heard a quicker version of snooker, loopy. <laughs> um. Yeah, I don't know what to say, Tom. I, I mean, it was. It was fine. So you wouldn't agree that he is the best singer on tour? Well, I don't think he's uh, he's done himself any favours there. I think he was quite careless, actually. I think he'd have been better off singing Careless Whisper. Um, no, <laughs> he, uh, I think... <laughs> well, now I will ask him to sing Careless Whisper, and he'll just be like, why? Why have you sent me this? No, I, you know, you know what? It it was it was good fun. It was good fun. But when we've had Stuart Bingham doing it, um, and Dennis, of course, you know, recreating it so well, it's so difficult. This is when... the third the third snooker world champion we have got to sing snooker loopy. Oh my god, that's a crazy thought. And those are the only ones that I know about because I know you've got more up your sleeve somewhere. After I stumbled across your stash one day. <laughs> I don't I don't have any more Snooker World Champions in the bag after this one, I'll say that. I have not managed to get Hendry or Sean Murphy. <laughs> Sean, Sean Murphy. <laughs> I don't know why the thought of Sean Murphy. That's brilliant. Oh dear. Imagine if we can get Ronnie to do it. Ronnie O'Sullivan sings Snooker Loopy. What you should just make that the title. And But there is a video called that on YouTube because we found it and it was Freddie Frentoff singing, wasn't yeah. it? And it was very yeah, disappointing. Yeah, yeah. yeah, sad times. Clickbait. Clickbait, Tom. Mm-hmm. So, ratings. 
It's a tough one because there was nothing wrong with his performance other than it just wasn't quite as good as Dennis and Stuart. It was probably better than John Virgo. I have to say, at least he sung it. At least he sung it. Whereas John just read the lyrics out. But John did give us facts about it. He did, yeah. And he did go, great lyrics. Great lyrics. Um, Where's the cue ball going? Um, Nutting. Nutting. Do we give him nutting? Um... No, we gotta we we gotta give him at least a tree. Uh, um, uh, you were genuinely gonna give him zero. I was like, wow. No, I just just had to do a bit of Ken Ken Doherty. I can't um, remember what we gave him for catch the pigeon. Probably something stupid like eight. Um, knowing us, knowing us, we probably did. Let's be honest. You know, I'm gonna give him a, a, a flat five and a half. Wow, I didn't even know we did and a half on this, but okay. Ken has broken yep. the mould of this feature. Yep. Somebody still needs to go through all of our archive, Tom, and work <laughs> out what we've given all all of these songs. It will be me. Make a spreadsheet. We need, we need a league table. And we need to go, oh, that slots in just above George Johnson's Everlasting Love, said nobody ever. Um... Uh, that goes just above Mark Selby singing "Careless Whisper" at the uh, at the snooker ball, in 2014. I mean, the big question, John, is: Will you listen to Ken singing this for pleasure? <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm sorry, Ken. I'm sorry, Ken. Whereas I listen to "Everlasting Love." I would give Ken, I'd give him a six. Do you know, I love Ken to bits. Yeah. I think he's great. I, I, I love him to bits as well. I think he's a very underrated character in Snooker, actually. But I thought he was in a rush. He was he was in a rush a bit. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think... Yeah, I know. When you've paid 30 quid, at least get, give us your money's worth. Give it to Sean Murphy. He'd At very least, he'd sort of he'd get the lighting right. He'd get a proper recording studio, I imagine. It'd be like... It'd be like He'd be like Band-Aid when he sings it. He'd be putting his hand on his ear. I mean, now I can't stop thinking about Sean Murphy doing this. And and I'm intrigued how he would, how he would, uh, he would do. But, you know, I, I think there's a certain level of expectation that you have with um, these memos. And I'm not sure I can quite, quite hit it. And I don't know what it was. I can't really explain. I think, as you say, he was just in a bit of a rush. You'd expect more from the player that's supposedly the best on tour. Well, but I mean, he might have done it in between Masters coverage. I don't really know. But yeah, I've no idea when when he would have um, recorded it. I mean, Gary Wilson's only a tenor. You could get him to do Careless Whisper, Everlasting Love, and Snooker Loopy for the price of Ken. How much did you say you won betting on the Masters? Uh, I think I got it slightly wrong. It was 12 to 1, not 25 to 1. I realised that when I said how... <laughs> no, I, I, I won £120. Joe, you could effectively get a whole <laughs> Buy Gary... everyone. <laughs> no, no, you get a whole Gary Wilson album. Oh, I could, I could, I could. <laughs> the temptation to go and buy a Stephen Hendry one and see if he'll respond to me. <laughs> you just need to ask him to sing it, say, use your mass singer skills. <laughs> Oh, if Perform he did it, as rubbish. If he did it back dressed up as a bin, that would be <laughs> worth every penny. Put a, put a dustbin lid on your head. <laughs> Give it up for rubbish, everyone! Well done, rubbish. Good one. By the way, just as a, a fun little tidbit uh, at the end of this episode, um, Neil Robertson has just won the Robertson Derby 5 0. In the German Masters. Wow. How often can you say we've got the Robertson Derby? Not very often. It's like the Wilson Derby, isn't it? There's the Wilson Derby. Uh, there could the be, Williams Derby. There could be a very one-sided O'Sullivan Derby. <laughs> hey, what you tried to say about Ronnie's credentials. There could be... Um, what other players could there be? The Higgins? Well, no, you can't really have the Higgins Derby anymore. 
Um, Again, it would be very one-sided. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, who else is there? There's quite a few, actually, isn't there? It's, it's quite bizarre. Davis, that, you know. There's many Davises. Yeah, yeah. Fred, Joe, Steve, Mark. <laughs> well, yeah, two of them are six foot under is a problem. Um Hey, what Never Steve, what Steve does? On the table. What Steve does in his spare time is up to him, mate. <laughs> White, Michael White, Jimmy White. Oh, the White Derby, yeah, yeah. yeah. Jordan Brown. There must be another Brown somewhere. <laughs> Isn't that Oliver Brown? Yeah. Is he someone? <laughs> oh, the Lions Derby, of course. The Pinches Derby. The Pinches Derby, yeah. Have you seen uh, Fergal's retiring at the end of the season? Yeah, I'm gutted. I mean, he was That's gonna a sad probably. One, I'm secretly hoping he might sort of qualify for the world championships and get a new tour card, and, yeah. then, and then continue. Because uh, yeah, he's again, he's just one of those players who's always been there. So you kind of want him to to stay on tour. Mm. Could probably make a tournament out of uh, out of derbies, couldn't you? Yeah, that'd be, or or they could play together in a doubles tournament. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Instead of the world mixed doubles this this year, you can have the uh, the um, the brother from another mother <laughs> doubles. Yeah, I'd watch it. I'd absolutely watch it. There you go. There you go. Well, thank you as always for joining me, Joe. Oh, I, I, pleasure. Always enjoy it. Please do let us know below your favourite snooker animal, or which animal would you like to see added to the snooker. Yeah, who do you want to see next? In our big snooker zoo. Snooker zoo pee, and Rob Walker's like the Willy Wonka of the, uh, the, the zoo. He comes out and does a little dance. 